0: I will be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking in lies and in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Say good morning to you and glad you're here this morning. Especially if you're visiting with us, we want you to know you are our honored guest, as uh, Doug mentioned earlier. And we hope it is that you'll stay around for a few minutes after our worship service is over that we can get a chance to get to know you. We are especially glad that you're here this morning. Before we begin, let me say a couple of things. Uh, Thanks to whom thanks is due. Uh, We have in the process, you notice the signs out front, a new roof in progress. The auditorium has already been done, and I know that the rest of the building will be done uh, hopefully this week, uh, providing the weather holds up. We're thankful uh, so much for all those who have been the movers and uh, those who have uh, carefully worked with insurance and other things. Uh, I understand it's been needed since uh, Harvey, I guess, last year, um, but we're, that is in the process, and especially uh, thanks to um, <laughs> to Keith Robinson. Um, normally, if I look out the door at any time during the office hours of the day, and I'd see somebody staring up like this and I would be a little worried, but uh, you can be a little less worried that that was Keith Robinson. He has been out here uh, kind of watching and uh, making sure that everything was done and uh, uh, that all of the, um, the roofers are, are taking care of everything that needs to be done, and uh, he's been supervising that and appreciate him and the good work. Yesterday, we had um, a number of folks up here at the building yesterday, and uh, we have um, and we did a, a review um I guess class for the folks that were doing a Bible search for the young people that will be competing this Saturday. Hope it is you'll keep them in your prayers and their parents as well. But special thanks to uh, Troy and Amy Albers. I know their focus would want uh, to be on the kids and all the preparation that y'all have done, but they did a tremendous job. And Troy has done a great job in putting together the outlines and the handout sheets and uh, sending out that information on a week by week basis of what we're studying. We're so grateful for them and their hearts and all of their organization of uh, the, the event yesterday. My voice is tired this morning because of asking the same 15 questions or so over and over and over again, but it's also been a joy because I've gotten a visit with the young people and to talk to them about uh, how they're doing in school and other things, and to have kind of a one-on-one interview with those people while also encouraging them in their Bible uh, Bible knowledge. Uh, It was an excellent opportunity, and uh, we're glad to have it. Do you ever have one of those days where you just didn't feel like your head was screwed on straight? (laughs) I'm having one of those today. <laughs> I got back to the sound room this morning, just a little bit late, and uh, I said, all right, Todd, it's, it's uh, the role of a minister, and he looked in the Dropbox, and it wasn't in there. <laughs> and I said, I forget to send it. I ran back to my office, and I, I put it together and uh, and threw it, um, send it through the Dropbox to the computer, and just as soon as I was about to get up to speak, I realized I don't have my clicker, and I have no idea where I left it. So. I'm going to call upon Nathan to hit the space bar, please, as we talked this morning about the role of a minister. You understand that, or maybe you've heard the story of the church that began to look for a new preacher, and the elders decided what they were going to do was they were going to send out a survey and then uh, take everything that they learned from the survey and put it in this computer program. And so they sent out the survey to the members of the congregation and said, what does a good minister look like? And so they took all of that information, they compiled it and sent it to his computer, and the computer came back with this. The results of a computerized survey indicate the perfect preacher and minister preaches exactly 15 minutes. He condemns sin, but he never upsets anyone. He works from 8 a.m. till midnight, and he is also the janitor. The perfect preacher makes about $50 a week. He wears good clothes, buys good books, drives a good car, and gives about $50 weekly in the offering. (laughs) The good preacher is 28 years old, and he has been preaching for 35 years. The perfect preacher has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all of his time with senior citizens. The perfect preacher or minister smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. The pre- perfect preacher makes 15 calls a, a day on church families, shut-ins and hospitalized, but he spends his time all his time door-knocking but is always in his office. <laughs> it's clear to see relatively that We have different expectations of what the minister of the congregation looks like, about what it is that his job and his role and his function is within the local body. And we begin to ask uh, about the expectations of a preacher. And I can go to different individuals and ask, what do you expect the preacher to do? What is the preacher expected to do? And you're going to find as many varieties of people, there's a variety of expectations for that person who uh, fills the role or those people that fill the role as preachers or ministers of Jesus Christ. Where we fail sometimes, if we never go to the Bible and find out what is expected of a man who claims to be a man of God, of a person who is a uh, in a ministry capacity, what does God want? What does it take to be God's man? What does God want in his minister? So with that in mind, take your Bible and open up to First and Second Timothy and Titus. We go here because this is where we find the job description of a minister of Jesus Christ realizing that the religious world calls these three books the pastoral epistles because it's what it takes and the denominational world has used the word pastor to describe the man who's standing before you or the people that work in this capacity of a minister. And yet at the same time, the word pastor is not attributed to a single individual one single time in the Bible. Instead, the way that it's used is of a plurality of men who serve the congregation as elders, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. And so for you to call the person standing before you a pastor or a pastoral epistle to say, it's my job to shepherd the congregation. You see, I think that in a lot of places, and this is just my own opinion, that a lot of places people have put undue expectations on the expectations on the preacher. And so the preacher has really become an unofficial shepherd or pastor. That is, we expect the preacher to go to the visits. When there's uh, people that need to be lost and uh, that are lost and need to be restored, we're going to go to the preacher. Whenever it's time to teach Bible classes or preach sermons, the preacher's going to do that. When you talk about somebody that's going to sit by your bedside and and hold your hand before a surgery, the preacher's going to do that. And we look at all these different things and we say, because this man is standing here or stands here on a week-by-week basis, that he's obviously the one that if anything spiritual comes up, we're going to turn to him. Folks, that's not really a biblical model, to be honest. Yes, a preacher is going to do those things because he is a Christian. Yes, a preacher is going to call upon those who are not here and to encourage those people. But folks, that's all of our job. And when we talk about specific things that relate to a congregation in regards to the direction and the spiritual uh, guidance of it, that is relegated to a group of men called shepherds or pastors or elders, depending on the context that that word is used. And so when we look at the Bible and we look at these three ministerial epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus, it is a job description of a minister of Jesus Christ. And Paul, in writing to Timothy and Titus, and he's writing to these young preachers, he's wanting to make sure that they are going to uh, carry out their roles as ministers of Jesus Christ and they're going to do it faithfully because they are men of God. And he writes and gives them inspired godly counsel to make full proof of their ministry, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. As we boil down the question of what does a minister of God look like, we're answering the same question that Paul, by the inspiration of the Spirit, is answering here in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. What does, according to God, a minister of Jesus look like? What is his role within the church? Number one, his role is to see that the fullness of the gospel is taught. His role is to see that the fullness of the gospel is taught. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul says to Timothy, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, I want you to remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. You see, that not necessarily tells me that there are some things that we absolutely don't need to teach and we certainly don't need to allow others to teach because they're not in line with the scripture. There are some things that we need to reject. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Same epistle. Verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, listen, you need to reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Look over in chapter 6. Of the same epistle, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Talking about the fact that you're going to have to deal with people, Timothy, who are not going to consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine that accords with godliness. But he says these people are proud, knowing nothing. These people that will not consent to these wholesome words, he says they're obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions. As you look, there are absolutely, as a minister of God, some things that you need to reject, some things that you don't need to hold on to. But also with that, there are some things that we do hold on to. We hold on to inspired scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. The holy scriptures, Paul would say, that you have known from childhood that make you wise into salvation, 2 Timothy three fifteen. Paul would say, wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. That tells me there's a warfare that I can wage as a minister of God that's not so good. He says, speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and following. Speak the things that are that are wholesome, the wholesome words that we know we can walk in and we know that are going to build up the body. These are the things we need to hold on to. Folks, when I look at 2 Timothy 4 especially, there are verbs that are attributed to the preacher in relation to the sound doctrine that we hold on to, the things we reject, but also the things that we hold on to. Paul would say, preach the word. That word preach is the word that we get our word or we we, we, uh, talk about it in terms of a herald. The person who comes with a message from the king and he says, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. And we turn sometimes and we say that preacher never says anything good. or That preacher doesn't tell us what we want to hear. You know, the preacher comes and he tells the message that is from the king. That's what a faithful herald does. Paul says, Timothy, you need to be a person who preaches the word. And he says, you preach the word with all wrong suffering and doctrine. You know, there's times that we want to give up on people. There's times that everybody wants to really just write off relationships and say, you know what, this person's not going to listen to sound doctrine and we're just going to reject them. There may be a time and place for that. But understanding that if somebody is trying your patience or somebody's going through a difficult part and, and you're looking at them and saying, listen, you're not listening to me. There's a element of long suffering, but also that adherence to truth. In warning errors, uh, others of error, and always with a focus on doctrine, giving people time and opportunity to glorify God in their lives. Preacher has a responsibility to make sure that the fullness of the gospel is preached, teaching all of the oracles of God, both the things that are easy to hear, but folks also the things that are not so easy to hear. The fullness has to be spoken. Number two, we need to grow and encourage church leaders. So much of these epistles and telling Timothy and Titus with how to be good ministers of Jesus Christ have to do with elders and deacons, with making sure people are fulfilling their role within the local body. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, tells Timothy, listen, here's the qualifications for those men who would desire to be elders in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and following. And for 8 through 12, talk about those who would desire to be deacons. And it's interesting that Titus has the same charge as Timothy. Paul said, I left you there in Crete to set in order the things that are lacking. And one of the things he talks about there in Titus chapter 1 is the appointment of elders in those congregations. Because there's those who are speaking strange things, perverse things. And he says, those people whose mouths must be stopped. When you look at the responsibility for preachers and teachers, look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2 in your Bible. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, an important verse for all of us. And realizing that Paul charged Timothy specifically saying, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. You know, God's people can do a great job sometimes in holding fast to the Lord in this generation, but sometimes we fail to build up and encourage the next generation of leaders and the next generation of those who would take our places. When I look at Joshua and his generation, and I see that and as Judges to Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, when all those generations of Joshua and all those people who faithfully followed the Lord passed away, the next generation arose and they didn't know God and they behaved in ways that were abominable towards God. I wonder if there was a failure of leadership to pass along those things that people ought to hold on to. And so we think about wanting to encourage and grow the next generation of leaders. Part of a man of God's job, part of a minister's job, a preacher's job is to recognize spiritual potential and with wisdom, encourage and provide guidance in becoming the leaders that God wants. Let me think about this in terms of this. How often do we encourage kids when it comes to sports activities, when it comes to band activities, when it comes to things like uh, academics or things like uh, the, the, the community service projects, National Honor Society and things like that? And yes, all of those things are admirable. But when was the last time we talked to a student and said, you know what, young lady, you are going to be an excellent Bible class teacher one day. You know what, young lady, you are going to be a wonderful, godly mother one day. And talking to our young men, you know what, son, you've got a real talent for preaching. Have you ever thought about becoming a gospel preacher? You know what, son, I know that even if you don't want to be a gospel preacher per se, I know it is that you're going to serve faithfully as an elder one day. And I know it is that you're going to be a godly man because of your character that you're developing now. You see, I think that when we emphasize just the academic and just the uh, just the extracurricular and all of those things, we're failing to remind people that, listen, we have a part to play within the local body as well. And helping people to realize their spiritual potential and the gifts and the the, the the abilities that they have can serve the church in ways that maybe we haven't even thought of. And so it is when we hold up the hands of elders and deacons today and we talk to them and we say, you know, listen, I, I know that, There's not a lot of people that know the the sacrifices that you make behind the scenes. I know a lot of the things that you do, uh, other people, you may never get the earthly praise for, but I appreciate you. But then also pointing our young people in the direction of elders and deacons or even adults in the direction of elders and deacons and saying, that's what a man of God looks like. That's who it is that we're trying to imitate. And that's who it is that we're trying to follow. Think about this. Number three, ministers role, responsibility is to exercise himself towards godliness. Exercise himself towards godliness. You heard from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 16. Again, he's going on talking about the character of Timothy as a man of God. And so much of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus have to do with these young men and especially their care for their own souls. Exercise yourself towards godliness. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Be an example to the believer, First Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It's interesting that in the context, he talks about those and saying, Timothy, you make sure that you are an example of the believer. Let no man despise your youth. We talked about it in Bible class this morning. Nobody can hurt your feelings without your permission. And Timothy standing up and behaving as a man of God and doing what's right and looking and saying, I'm following Jesus Christ. There might have been people that looked at Timothy's youth and say, yeah, you don't know anything. Yeah, you can't tell me anything spiritual. I've been a Christian for so many years. or I've been alive for so many years and looking down on Timothy because it is that he's a young man. And Paul says, you don't buy into that, Timothy. You make sure that you're the example of the believers. Chapter four, verses 12 through 16. He tells him 1 Timothy chapter one, verse five, have love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith. Brothers and sisters, when you talk about preachers and teachers and ministers, It ought to be that the servant of the Lord is always seen as an athlete in training, as he would talk about in 2 Timothy 2, exercising what's right, growing in his own relationship and growing in his relationship with God and others and encouraging his family as well. In the preacher, it ought to be that you see the hard work and dedication for the cause of Christ. And though it may be that people want to try and take a minister or a preacher and put him in a fishbowl and say, let's let's look at every little aspect of his life. And let's let's nitpick and let's look at his kids and let's say, you know, well, you're the preacher's kid and you ought to do it. You know what? If my kids never hear the term preacher's kids, I'm OK with that. If they're never held up to a different standard than your kids are, because it is that they're my kids, the kids or Troy's kids or somebody else's folks, we're, we're, we're setting those kids up for failure because we're saying you have to obey because you're the minister's child and not you have to obey because you're God's child. There's a vast difference. One of them will set the child up for anger and rebellion and ruin. The other one will set them up to say, you know what? I may make mistakes, but you know what? I'm following Jesus. And so it is that looking and helping kids to understand, especially the preacher's family and their kids to understand that we Encourage doing the right thing, not because you're the preacher's kids, but because the right thing to do doesn't change. The preacher, the minister knows he's God's man and nobody else's and is always trying to glorify God in everything he does. What else? Other aspect of ministry. Number four this morning. Strengthen holy relationships within the church. Strengthen holy relationships within the church. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul says, as a minister, Timothy, it's important that you be careful how you treat those who are older than you. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Timothy, it's also important how you treat those who are younger than you. In saying that, he says, don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Exhort younger men as brothers brothers. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. We want to look with pure relationships in the, in, the, in the church and understand that we're all trying to get to the same place and how we relate to people is going to say a whole lot about the success of ministry. It's important to see how he treats the leadership of the church. He's going to talk about that in 1 Timothy 5, 19 to 20. It's important how we treat those who are living unholy lives. Titus chapter 3 and verse 10 says we withdraw from those who are walking disorderly. First Timothy 2 and verse 10, Paul says, listen, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that I may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, what he's talking about there is he's talking about the church. I endure these things for the sake of those people of God. There's wisdom in relationships. It's not a slash and burn and and scorched earth type of approach to ministry. But a good minister, Jesus Christ, knows that every soul is valuable to the Lord. Recognizing that, look just a moment at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Saying these things, and again encouraging Timothy there in Ephesus, where he probably had to deal with some harsh situations, He said, Timothy, the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle towards all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. There is an attitude and a spirit about the way that the minister deals with relationships, both in understanding that here's a person who's coming with a different perspective or a different background, and based upon approach, if it is that you don't approach this person with the right way, you could close them off and that door could slam shut in, no, in, in, in a blink of a, heart, a blink of an eye, in a heartbeat. But how is it that we can best leave that door open? Serving the Lord must not quarrel. Sometimes it is that you say something and I say it louder and you say it louder and I say it louder. And before too long, neither one of us are listening. We're just in the middle of an argument. or in the middle of a, a, a warfare. He says, a minister of the Lord is a person that is gentle towards all. He's able to teach and patient and humility, correcting those in opposition. You see, at the heart of it, it's about the golden rule, isn't it? It's about the golden rule. Whatever you want men to do to you, you do also to them. I want people to treat me with patience. I want people not to quarrel with me. I want people to be able to teach me and correct me in humility. And so how is it that I behave? As a preacher as a minister of Jesus, a minister's goal is to edify the local church and increase, and, increase uh, and and help the believers grow stronger with the Lord and stronger with each other. Last one: minister of Jesus Christ lives as an example to those who are outside the church. There is overwhelming instruction in these three short books for building up the people of God. However, look at Titus chapter three, verses one and two. He says, I want you, Titus, to maintain good works. Be subject to rulers and the authorities. Paul would tell Timothy, listen, I want the prayers to be made for kings and all those who are in authority, all those who are, 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 are ruling over you. And the primary purpose is uh, here in Titus is that they can see the things that are good and profitable to men. It ought to be, especially, especially in this election season, That people ought to look at members of the church and understand that we're holding up to the things that are good and profitable men. We're not interested in getting in quarrels with people. But there's a difference. Because it is that many congregations have been destroyed, especially because of the man that stands in the pulpit, because he hasn't behaved himself as a man of integrity out in the community. Or maybe in his own work, or maybe within the local congregation. And when you have somebody like that, that's maybe out there in front and visible, and really the face of a congregation, you have an opportunity for the congregation to be ruined because of that. And I've seen it happen. It's horrible. But he says, Timothy, you do the work of evangelists. You're a preacher of the gospel to the members of the church. You're a preacher of the gospel to those who are outside. You're a preacher of good things. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. We want the loss to know God's grace. And we want to behave ourselves with integrity and character. As it is, we close this sermon. And I want you to take a look at all of these things just for a moment. And I want you to understand that as I'm trying to be careful with my words, as the minister is trying to look for opportunities to do good and have the law of grace on his lips and be prepared for all good works, Brothers and sisters, what we conclude is a good minister of Jesus Christ, one who fulfills that role and does it well, is one who's given his heart, soul, and mind to look like the Savior of the body. Can I bring something to your attention? These are not just qualifications for the man that stands in the pulpit every Sunday, they're responsibilities of every single one of us as Christians. Isn't that right? Don't we need to behave with wisdom towards those who are outside? Don't we need to strengthen holy relationships within the church? Don't we all need to exercise ourselves towards godliness? Don't we all need to be people who are growing and encouraging church leaders? Don't we all need to be people who see that the fullness of the gospel is taught? You see, it's not just the man who stands in the pulpit that's responsible for these things. Yes, in a very practical and real way, according to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, yes, I have this responsibility. Yes, Troy has this responsibility as those who are supported by the congregation to preach the gospel. But understanding, folks, that these are things that we all want to strive for. And these are things that we all want to encourage in our lives. And so it is. All these things mentioned in Timothy and Titus have to do with equipping us for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Truth is, you can be God's man. You can be God's woman within the kingdom. Effective and never stand in the pulpit. But it takes a life that's committed to Jesus Christ and saying, I want to glorify God in everything that I do and everything I say and everything I think. I thank you for so much for your kind attention this morning. Open up your Bible, uh, your songbook, please, the song that Troy announced just a moment ago. Brother and sister, we're going to offer the invitation this morning, as we always do. It's customary. And if it is that you see things in your life that don't need to be there. As we look and examine ourselves in the light of the grace of God, and we think about as Christians the things that we need to change in our lives, is there something that you need changing that we can help you with? We're going to offer this time for that, but maybe it is that you're ready to obey the gospel. You're ready to become a child of God. That would be a wonderful way to end this service this morning. Maybe it is that you're ready to put on Christ the baptism of If that's your need and you want to be immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we're going to offer this now as we conclude the service. Let's stand and sing our invitation song.